If you've got your Bibles, we can begin by turning to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 8, or I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2. When was the last time that you were actually in awe of something? You know, you know that feeling when you, when you see it, something for the first time that is beautiful or something that is exciting? For some of us, it may have been the ocean for the first time or the mountains or that brand new car that you just bought. <laughs> or the birth of your child. For me, it was probably seeing the ocean for the first time and, and realizing that I'm small compared to what God's creation is. The power of the sea and the vastness of the ocean. I stood on the top of tall mountains and looked out over valleys and was in awe of the beauty of God's creation. I stood in the hospital holding the child that had just been born no more than a day before, knowing that this child would be mine and I would be taking this child home with me. And today I stand in awe of <laughs> that God has got me through it this far, having children. And I'm in awe of what He does in their lives and how He's growing them. I want you to, for the moment, I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes. And remember one of those moments when you were just awestruck by what either God, what God had done. And think about how it made your heart feel. Because this is, these are the things we're going to talk about today in Scripture. That's, that's what the people in these tales, these accounts, are feeling. They're feeling this aweness, this, this amazement of what God is doing. It's one of those things that, that I think we want to capture again at Christmas time. We want to capture the, the honest and, and the wonder of that first Christmas. If we go to the book of Luke and we begin with verse, chapter 2, verse 8, it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your word. We praise you for the allness and the wonder of Christmas. Lord, I just pray that you help us to capture this Christmas, that we would capture that same feeling as the shepherds, and as we'll later see the wise men had as they worshiped you. We pray this in your name. Amen. 
Think about what the, think about what the, what the shepherds experienced. These men were, were not exactly high-cultured men. They were the outcasts of the society. Their work required that they spend many a time and many a night, many a day out in the fields taking care of the sheep. They would go from field to field and place to pay place, finding places where they could feed and water these sheep, fattening them up for either harvest time or for sacrifice. They were right outside of Bethlehem. So chances are, which is Bethlehem is very close to Jerusalem, chances are that many of these shepherds were probably working for the temple. It could very well be that some of these sheep were going to be used in sacrifice in the temple. They would have spent many long nights away from their families, away from the life in the, these small villages, away from the life, uh, the busyness of the life of Jerusalem, the capital. Their lives were solitary, kind of in a sense, I mean, there were other shepherds, but usually they probably were in charge of a certain number of sheep. So it was a solitary life. They didn't socialize with other people in society. There were certain social and religious activities they never could be part of. Because in order to be, especially going into the temple, because they were, you know, think about that, they were, they were taking care of sheep for the temple, and yet they would never be able to enter the temple in their current condition because they spent their time out among the animals. They were unclean. They would have to go through a series of ritual cleanings in order to be even be allowed to walk into the temple to sacrifice. And believe me, their nomadic and their exposure to the elements did not help them climb the social ladder. They were considered thieves. They, they were not treated very well. And yet their occupation was necessary for the life of Israel, whether it's for food, clothing, or for sacrifice. They were, think about it, they, they, they were not even as highly esteemed as farmers, merchants, or any other urban occupation. Like I said, they were not able to attend rituals, religious gatherings they were not allowed to be there so it's not a surprise that they were excluded from most of the religious ceremonies especially with anything to do with the temple but understand that when the angels came they were probably one of the most unlikely choices for the angels to appear to i mean this was jesus this was the king of the jews this was the the god in flesh and yet here we have the angels coming to the lowliest of low to tell them of the coming of the birth of Christ. But there was also another group that was very unexpected that were drawn to Christ, though they would actually come a few years later after the shepherds had been to the manger. And we find this in Matthew 2, starting with verse 1. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. 
And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, that's how we know it was a few years later, it wasn't in the, in a, at the manger, they were at a house. They saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The Magi, as they were called, could not be any different than the shepherds. The wise men, or what Magi, where we get the word magician, they were highly respected in society. Look, they, they came to Jerusalem thinking that the king of the Jews, of course, would be born in the palace, and he wasn't. But they were able to receive an audience with King Herod. Not everybody could get into the be with King Herod. And yet these wise men from the east were able to do so. They could read signs in the sky. The very reason that God had created the lights in the sky. If we go to Genesis 1.14, it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And then he says, And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. The Magi were considered wise in the ways of the world and in the ways of prophecy. Now, we've got to remember at this time that the last prophet that was in Israel was Malachi. And that was over 400 years since this time. There have been no prophets in Israel since then. And yes, while the Magi weren't Christian and they weren't Jewish, God in his sovereignty is going to use them in an amazing way. Now we know that they traveled great distance. We don't really know exactly where they came from. It says they came from the Orient or they came from the the East. But the estimates are they traveled anywhere from 400 to 700 miles to get to see the king of the Jews. It would have taken them probably at least 40 days to make that trip. All of that way, following a sign in the sky leading to the prophesied king of the Jews. Now remember, they're not Jewish, and yet they're looking for the king of the Jews to worship. They very well could have been Persian. If they were, they would have come from around the area of Iran and Iraq today. It is more than likely that they had the Torah or or many of the ancient writings, or else they wouldn't have known about this. We also have to think about the possibility that during the exile, during the Jewish exile to Babylon, David or Daniel was with them. He was one of the exiles. Daniel becomes one of the becomes a wise man, and it could be very likely that he's the one who brought the Torah with him. And and because the Persians would go in, they conquer a land. They would take not just they take the best people, and they'd also take all of their knowledge, and all their gold, and all their bronze, and all their silver. But the most of the, they take their knowledge. So that's how they would have gotten this. 
and it's very likely that he had influence over this group of wise men, not this particular one, but the whole, during his time, the makeup of the wise men. And I always think it's kind of interesting to think that it's very possible that Daniel's fortune, because he came, became a very rich man, his fortune was part of what was used to purchase those gifts for the king of the Jews. It's possible. I didn't say we know for certain. It's possible. But they're coming to see a king, just as the shepherds did when they went to the manger. Then they're filled with joy when they see the star. They had awe when they, I mean, could you imagine, up to this time they've been studying this and studying this. All of a sudden they look up in the, now all of a sudden, they've been looking at the sky and they see everything coming together. Um, I do have a very, an interesting video, um, not enough time to show it today, but I have a, a very interesting video on, goes back, it takes computer software and goes back in time to the time when they believe Christ was possibly born and shows you what was in the sky. And the sun is in Virgo, in her stomach, in the constellation Virgo. In Virgo, she's the virgin. And Jupiter is above, and Draco the dragon is below, and we go to Revelation, and we can see kind of this correlation. And so the reality is, it's very likely that Jesus very well could have been born on September 11th, 3 BC. Because that's the only time Going back in history, that the sun is in Virgo and all these things line up. But that was the sign that they had looked for. Could you imagine as they, they're seeing this stuff come together, the, the wonderment, the awe of what they were feeling? And then when they decide we're going to make this trip, which was not an easy trip, by the way, there were probably more than three of them because you didn't travel in small groups because you would have been robbed. We just know there are three gifts, but not three wise men, more than three wise men, but there are three gifts. but they're in awe of the star when they see it again. And when they go, they fall at the feet of Jesus as a small boy and worshiped him. And then it's not until after they've worshiped him that they give him the gifts. I, I never really realized that, that that's, they didn't just come and give the gifts and then sit there and, oh, isn't, isn't he an amazing little boy? No, immediately, as soon as they saw him, they were on the ground, worshiping Jesus. And then they gave him the gifts. Christmas today seems to be focused on the gifts that are given. We get excited about decorations and the food and the songs of Christmas. Sometimes people get excited about the songs of Christmas right after Halloween. I think they're crazy. I want to hear Christmas songs right after Halloween. But if we're honest, Christmas in our society today is, is, you know, it comes to a climax as we're, as we're opening the presents, you know. We're opening all the presents and they're, they're littered all over the living room and that's the climax of the Christmas time. And it gets kind of like, wow, it's over. It's an adrenaline rush to be sure. I mean, but it doesn't last. The credit card bills will make sure of that. You know that today that holiday sales, and not today, but recently, just a few years back, holiday sales topped $700 billion. We just had Black Friday. Not too long ago. A day when, when most retailers finally break even. Up until that time, most of them have lost money. And they finally break even on Black Friday. We've even made it easier to buy and to overbuy. 
We don't even have to get out of our chair now to buy Christmas presents. <laughs> I don't usually. We just pull out our, our phone and get on our Amazon app and we find what we want. Or like my kids do, they make a list that we send to everybody. So all the people have to do is go in and pick this, pick that, and pick that. And they're done. It gets shipped to their front door. And guess what? You can even have Amazon wrap it for you. You're not doing it. <laughs> you can have Amazon wrap it for you. We've made it so easy. But see, there's a difference in our perception when we actually have to take this out and do this than when we have to just pay for it on an app or take our credit card and tap it or slide it or whatever we do with it. You can't watch or listen to the media day without being influenced to spend. Look at all the commercials that are out there now, just today. And I know we've always talked about this idea, oh, we've become so commercial, but I think it is getting worse. We are a consumer-based economy. We, our government relies on us to spend money. Spend, spend, spend. Christmas gifts, decorations, food. And with Amazon and other e-commerce companies making it so easy to shop without even feeling the full impact of our spending until a month later we get the credit card bill. Not to mention the stress that Christmas spending and activities and after Christmas bill paying causes us. Christmas can take an emotional, a physical, a financial, and a spiritual toll on us when we try to meet the societal expectations because, see, I think our society today has missed the whole purpose of giving. If we look again at the accounts of the shepherds and the magi, there's this common thread that's weaved into the accounts. That if we are not careful, we'll miss this. Now, look, we look at when the angels, let's go with the angels first. After the angels had come and they they, 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 they came to, to give a message to the shepherds. What did they do? Look at this in verse 13 of Luke 2. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those with whom he is blessed. Is pleased. So understand this. The angels are with God at all times. Now imagine they are still in awe of him at all times, but they're, they're even more so now that they join together and they break out in praising God. because of the message that they were able to bring to the shepherds. And then after the shepherds, they hear that message, then what did they do? They go to see the baby. Then what did they do? In the verse two of, chapter 2, verse 20 of Luke, it says, And the shepherds returned. After they had seen the baby, what did they do? They glorified and praised God for all they had heard and seen and it had been told to them. So they went back. They thought about what had been told to them by the angels all the way up to the point where they see the baby in the manger and they talk to Mary. And what do they do? They worship. And finally, what did the Magi do before they presented their gifts? Matthew 2, 1. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
See, the true focus of our Christmas must not be the gifts under the tree, the Christmas songs on the radio, the stockings hung with care, or the decorations that light up the night sky in your neighborhood. (laughs) It's not the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh that were brought by the Magi and given to Jesus. The true focus of our Christmas is the gift of Jesus Christ that was given to all of mankind. From the outcast of society of the shepherds to the most respected of our society, the Magi. These gifts under the tree, they bring fleeting joy. I I would guess that some of those things won't last six months. We have them today, but they break, they wear out, they become obsolete, and many times they're forgotten. But the gift of Jesus Christ brings us long-lasting and far-reaching joy. And we must respond to this gift this Christmas season just as the angels did, the shepherds and the magi did, with awe and joy and worship. We must approach Christmas and every Christmas going forward with this heart of worship. A verse that most of us know and I've used many times even in the last couple of weeks John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, that's the message that the angels were bringing. And that's the message that the shepherds and the wise men, that's why they worshipped in the response to the Messiah being born. You and I, we must worship in response to the fact that God sent his son to die for us and save us, even while we were still sinners. We didn't have to clean ourselves up, you know. He gave us Jesus. We also need to engage Christmas in worship with our minds, not just, not just the emotional part, but our minds. The Magi, many times, are called wise men. Why? Because they were big thinkers. They were thought with their mind. They're not known for doing something foolish or useless. useless. They, I mean, they traveled this long way. They, there, was, there was not a foolish thing for them to do. They felt that it was important. So as we worship this Christmas season, listen to the words with your hearts and with your minds. Connect the emotional and the intellectual aspects of our faith. So how do we do this? Well, we need to make sure that we create intentional moments of worship throughout the Christmas season. That's one of the reasons why I think Beth has decided to do the Advent with the families, to give them Advent candles and wreaths and all the lessons that go along with it. We need to find those moments when we can actually just worship God. Whether it's through personal devotions, family activities, or gathering at church, or doing Advent on Sunday mornings and doing Advent at home with the family. Find ways to intentionally worship together as a family and friends, engaging both your heart and your mind. The next thing we need to do is we need to prioritize presence over presence. Shift your mindset from the material gifts to the presence of Christ and the people around you. When we do this, we're gonna we're gonna get those, we're gonna experience those connections in those relationships that are important. 
we'll start to realize the most meaningful and lasting memories often come from shared experiences, not gifts. Most important memories come from time spent together, whether it's with family or with neighbors or with church family. We, we need to buck this idea of consumerism that dominates this Christmas season. Reevaluate the importance of material possessions and the stress that comes from gift-giving expectations and what comes from having to pay all the bills afterwards. Worship fully this Christmas season. Worship completely. And what does that mean? It means create moments of awe and wonder. Not over the gifts that we give. Not over the <laughs> driving around and seeing these people who probably spend about three months putting Christmas lights out and watch their electric meter spin faster and faster. But let's make, find moments of awe and wonder where we focus on the greatest gift that's been given. The greatest gift that any of us could ever receive. Worshiping fully this Christmas, it's going to involve being intentional. Intentional in our engagement with, Christmas, with the Christmas story of the birth of Jesus. I, I challenge you that on Christmas Eve, with your family, get your Bible out, read. Read the Christmas story. Read it in, 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 in Luke and just wonder about it. Our lifestyles need to reflect the love and the grace that's revealed in the story of Christ's birth. The fact that he came and died for us. But he came first as a little baby and he was worshipped by the lowliest of the low and the highest of the high. Remember it says there that Mary treasured these things in her heart. And I think that's what we need to do too. We need to treasure the story of the birth of Christ in our heart. Look beyond the surface level of our Christmas celebrations and embrace a much deeper, more meaningful connection to the one Christmas is all about. And we can do that. And we're going to do that today by celebrating communion.